All right, this is the Yay. I'm Reg Clay. And this is the Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. We have a fantastic guest, Michael Wayne Rice. How you doing, man? <laughs> right on. I'm doing good, Reg. All right, All Michael right. Wayne Rice. You're a, a veteran actor, and you had a podcast a long time ago. It was sort of a pre-Yay. And a director. And a director. And educator. See, there you yeah. go. So we're going to learn all about Michael Wayne Rice. For those who don't know Michael Wayne Rice, uh, we're glad to have you, and happy holidays to you. Right on. Thank you for that. Happy holidays to both of you. Yeah. Right on. I'm trying to remember. So I remember Cool as? Cool as Hell Theater Podcast. Cool as Hell Theater Podcast. Okay. Yeah. Yes. i got to check that out, and I'm sure there's you still can't check, Yeah, You can't check it out anymore. Oh, it's um, not It's not online? It's, it's not online. Platform. Yeah. Um, so it was like you can go to KQED and you can like see like the the little the page they had. So yeah. All the links to the po- podcast <coughs> are dead because one day when I was transferring uh, um, um, hosts, yeah, um, I accidentally started deleting the website. Oh, no. oh yeah. Luckily, I had like I still have all the podcasts. <coughs> right. Yeah, you have all the audio files. Files. Yeah, and I yeah. was listening to you and and Deontay this morning. Oh. Yeah, but I don't. It's not online for you to listen to. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, but well, I mean, you still have it, and who knows? You may start it up again because you know you you were doing podcasts before. A lot of people even oh, knew what yeah, podcasts I didn't, were. I did not. I barely even heard of the concept when he said he was doing this. I thought, what the hell? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm so. very very impressed. And you lasted three years, so that's not bad. And you got picked up by KQ, KQED. Yeah. So um, so that's awesome. It was an incredible journey because yeah, at that time podcasting was new. Like, I may have started actually in 2005. Mike. That's all. We just want to hear you. That's all. Yeah, right. Uh, Okay. Yeah, I started back in 2005, and I didn't know what podcasting was, and I had just heard of it. And I was looking for a way to, ironically, find a way to market and promote my one-man show. Yeah. And I heard about podcasting, and I read, like, like in 24 hours, I read, like, I was up for 24 hours researching podcasting. Mm. Yeah. And I was like, this is how I'm going to do it. Then the next day it hit me, it's bigger than that. This is something that I could use for the community. Uh, yes. I was like, fuck, yes. Nah, <laughs> oh, man, it's bigger than that. And so uh, that's that's basically how the podcast was born. No, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, when Norman and I talked about the yay, I knew that I'd been listening to podcasts for a while. And I was like, hey, I've got the equipment, and I know people in the theater community. Why not I just do this thing? And Norman and I, we always have these wonderful conversations, usually over dinner or lunch or something like that, especially after we had just finished doing – I think we had just finished doing a Richard Wright read-through for school or something like that. um, Yeah. We we were doing Uncle Tom's Children. Oh, this is for children? Yeah, we were doing Uncle Tom's Children for a library thing. Okay. Yeah, I think you remember that. And so we we had some wonderful conversations talking about – just, you know, what we wanted to do and, you know, and, and that sort of stuff. And I was like, wow, this is something I would love to hear mm-hmm. online. So, and then it expanded <clears throat> and we started bringing guests in or whatever. But, yeah, we were doing it right around that time. And I remember Steve Jobs was pushing pod, 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 podcasts, and not a lot of people were listening. So, mm-hmm. but now everyone's got it. You know, I was reading an I article. Know, it's everywhere. Yeah. And it's big. Yeah, yeah, it's big. And, uh, you know, people are monetizing it and all that sort of stuff. I, but mean, I just saw a thing on Grand Theft Auto <coughs> talking about how much money they spent on, on producing that. Yeah. Up the first, getting the first game together, which was more money than anybody had ever spent on anything like that. Mm. Well, in the first 
like 24 hours, literally something like that. They made like a billion dollars. Yeah. So they spent like something like 300 and something million mm-hmm. putting it together and then putting bam. a podcast together. No, 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 no. The, uh, the, game. the game. The game. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like no, because nobody believed in gaming. Podcast. And at this point, gaming, gaming years ago exceeded all of Hollywood. Yeah, that's you know, right. They, they make more money than Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, because you have, you know, millions of people in, in now. It's probably ready now. We're boiling tea. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, you know, the whole, I mean, just 2005, just the middle of the aughts. And, you know, eventually I think this – I'm not sure if this will be our last podcast for 2019, but we can talk about the teens and what did the teens mean and all of that sort of stuff. But in the middle of the aughts, you know, you had just all sorts of – not ready yet? No. Okay. I'll grab it uh, yeah. But just um, what – onlining mean meant yeah. you know there was uh, we had the Ethernet port at the beginning of the aughts so we had more speed right. people were getting off of AOL it took my sister years to get off of America online <laughs> and you've got mail <coughs> yeah I remember that I remember that right. everybody loved that when it first <laughs> came out yeah. exactly exactly matter of fact I think my, I got my first apartment in 1997 by jumping on because it, you didn't have Craigslist then mm. I was living in DC and I just went on to an America Online uh, San Francisco chat room and I sure. was like hey listen I'm moving to San Francisco I need a place to stay Bam. and one dude was like hey I got a place in Daly City oh. and just by luck I mean he could have been a serial killer but I you know went on and did it and there you go but yeah we have to talk about the teens like what did 20 the 2010s mean um, we, we, yeah, we could try <laughs> and sort it out. <laughs> yeah. Will we have another podcast uh, next week? Or yeah, we do. do. You think it'll be busy? Yeah, Rico. We, okay, yeah. that's right, Rico. Okay, so we'll, we'll probably wrap it up then. Yeah. All right. As I begin all of my podcasts, how was your week? Your couple of two, two weeks? Two weeks? Yeah. Um, I just finished my last job for the year, I think, this mm-hmm. week, one of these standardized patient things. Mm-hmm. And um, and I just had two auditions. I don't know what I'm doing next. I'm trying to talk to Mara about it, and she mm-hmm. just doesn't get it. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you don't understand. She's like, oh, so you worried about money? And I said, no, for once, I am actually a couple of months ahead on all the bills mm-hmm. and got more checks coming in. So not worried about money. I mean, I need to be making some money. Sure. But it's the holidays. I don't need to worry about it. But what am I going to be doing next? Because yeah. really, for over two years now, I think it started with Hamlet. Mm, yeah, maybe started with Hamlet. Um, I did Hamlet, and then I did another show and another mm-hmm. show, and then I went to Paris, and then I came back. We did Foreman in Paris. Mm-hmm. And then this year was, <coughs> you know, um, I started You did a couple of Shakespeare things. Yeah, I worked with Utopia Theater, mm-hmm. um, and then immediately went into rehearsals for a playground thing. Yeah, you did Dracula. And then ended up doing Dracula this summer, but yeah, and then spent the whole summer doing As You Like It. Mm-hmm. So it's just been nonstop, mm-hmm. and suddenly I don't know when the next train is coming. <laughs> well, it'll always, I mean, you know, you, I think you always find work, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. see. So, yeah, and more than that, I mean, it's funny, you talked about with the podcast going, wait a minute, bigger picture. I'm like, that's where I'm at in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at what do I want to do for the next decade mm-hmm. and what steps can I take now that might move me in those mm-hmm. directions. And if I get nothing in the next couple of months but I'm able to figure some of that out, then it's time well spent. Yeah. Well, you've already sowed the seeds. I mean, you have an agent for commercials. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling with that. We'll, no. we'll see how that's <laughs> going. No, finally, yeah. finally I'm going to get pictures. After all this running around mm-hmm. and photo shoot and back and forth <coughs> and back and forth. Yeah. They're finally edited 
She said, I just need, I had a couple of tweaks, so when I get those proofs, I'll send them to you. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, we're, we're closing up shop till, till 2020. Hmm. Like, uh, okay, I guess we'll get this started in 2020. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm assuming, I'm assuming you're in good hands. I mean, he or she knows what they're doing. Better. I'm, I'm going to learn one way or the other, and I'll move forward. Yeah. And Michael Smiling, uh, I think uh, you probably know uh, just the whole career of the actor. I mean, I remember when coming out of school, I was like, hey, I'm just going to audition and just go for a job. But I never really thought of my, my acting life as a career. I mean, have you thought of that, or have you thought about your, just your trajectory as, as a creative? I mean, I try to. Um, I don't necessarily know how successful I was, especially um, uh, for those of us who do come out of a school, <coughs> we – that's not something that they concentrate on, like the business side of school. Yeah, I was about to say, you know, when I came out of school, no one taught me about the business of theater and, like, getting an agent and how we were talking about this last, not last week, but the week before last about monologues and, you know, structuring your monologues and even through the years. You know, you can't do the same monologue when you did 20 years ago. And uh, <laughs> like headshots and, and things yeah, like that. that yeah, <laughs> So, um well, we can yeah. jump. Yeah, we can jump. We'll get more into uh, your uh, career and what you've been doing. Right uh, there are lo- tons of current events. Let's talk. about impeach? Impeachment. You know, I was just thinking to myself, okay, what is impeachment? I mean, he's impeached, but he can still do what he wants to do. We know he's not going to get thrown out of office, I, at least I, not I by the Senate. Thinking, what do I want for Christmas? Thank you, Nancy Pelosi. There you go. There you go. And, you know, think about Nancy. You know what, what was interesting? So Thursday I took, um, I took the day off mm-hmm. just to listen to. Mm-hmm. I had some back issues, but also I uh, wanted to listen to all of them. The one person I did not hear out of all of the House members mm-hmm. was AOC, Alexandria Cortez. I was Cortez. wondering if she said anything. She didn't. Smart. <coughs> She's smart. Well, I mean, do you think that Nancy told her, we don't want to hear from you? I think, I hope AOC is protecting her brand. (laughs) Yeah. I I hope that's what's going on. Because you know the Republicans are saying, well, this is only happening because of these radical Democrats taking over. And I know Nancy wants to form the narrative of, no, we're doing this the proper way. We're not going to have any radical stuff. But you have to have have everyone follow that page, that script. They did. Oh, God, they were so boring. And frustrated. Yeah, but not, but you know, nothing to give the Republicans something to use as leverage. Right, yeah. right. They they voided that wonderfully. Right, but, but that made it really boring because mm-hmm. the Democrats just sounded like the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. Except for the, and my children. I'm doing this so that my children. Mm-hmm. Dude, I don't care about your children. <laughs> I didn't vote for your children. What the hell? Well, hey, the Republicans are saying the same thing. I'm going to defend Trump because of my children. And all well, this, uh, no, know. and then the Republicans, and I, so many people kept talking about muting. Yeah. And I was like, I, I, I felt like that was wrong to do. Mm-hmm. But I'd hear, especially Doug, <clears throat> God, if I never hear Doug Collins again in my life, mm-hmm. I'd be okay. <laughs> Yeah. So here's a question for you, Michael. I mean, Trump at the same day was doing a rally and he was like, oh, you know, what's the big deal? And and whatever. But uh, I mean, do you have any thoughts about it? Do you have any thoughts about the life and, you know, in the age of Trump? Are you are you hopeful about 2020? Am I hopeful about 2020? (laughs) I think. I'm not. 
<clears throat> I'm not necessarily hopeful about 2020. I want to be hopeful, but I don't necessarily think I am. Mm -hmm. um, especially um, um, his base is, you know, right, there is no attrition right. in his base support. Right. And then we have these polls starting to come out early about the possibility of Demo a Democratic nominee knocking him off. And, mm -hmm. you know, I believe the polls last time he was up for when right. he was first yeah, elected. Yeah, that's right. That's right. right. And you got to be careful with those right. polls. Oh, yeah. Um, here's what I am hopeful about, mm -hmm. if there's anything I'm hopeful about. Um, we know that this cat is, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'll speak for myself. Mm -hmm. uh, this cat is a racist cat. He's brought right. in yep. racist people yep. to yep, run yeah. and create policy. And it is obviously a backlash from the historical moment of a black president mm -hmm. um, in a lot of ways. Um, and so we have a lot of nastiness happening in, in this world, which has been substantiated by his being. And because he does it and gets away with it, therefore other people in the world yeah. do yeah, it. Well, yeah. So we have this uprise of nastiness. <coughs> Mm -hmm. um, my hope is, um, and I'm going to re relate this to something related to autism, because I used to work with the autistic kids a lot, mm -hmm. and usually you have to implement methodologies in order to help guide um, uh, maladaptive behaviors towards something uh, yeah. more beneficial. Yeah. And in that guidance towards that, you see an escalation of maladaptive behaviors, mm -hmm. right. and you keep working towards your goal and those behaviors hit finally a certain ceiling and when they do we have what's called an extinction event in which those behaviors finally start to go away and we start to move towards those positive behaviors mm -hmm. i'm hoping that america through this <coughs> presidency is reaching its limits of maladaptive behaviors and mm. we will hit an extinction point where we can then move past that's what i'm hopeful for well you know no well no it's excellently well put and you know to piggyback on that you know you have to there are enablers you know like every you know like uh, individuals like trump and uh, i don't want to jump on hitler but you need help i mean you know trump if trump himself is bad and of course he has always been this way well, because he was never yeah. he was never raised i mean you know he <laughs> He, he he was rich before he was even out of the womb. Right. So you have this um, entitlement that he has. And getting into the maladaptive behavior, if you don't cut it at a particular time, if you reward it, then, of course, it's going to grow. But if you say, listen, we're not going to respond to this. But you also have to acknowledge it. It's how you acknowledge absolutely. It. You, absolutely. You can't ignore and, uh, it. And the one term that I've heard throughout tw 2019 is normalizing. Yeah. Normalizing right. behavior. <laughs> Like people who don't want to shake hands with Trump. And, you know, there are those right. who moderates who are like, well, <laughs> I want to reach out to the other side and maybe it won't be that bad. And I'm like, no, that's exactly what videos. Trump wants. I do love those videos. Yeah. So I totally agree with what you're saying. You know, if, uh, if you reward the behavior, it will grow. But if you make a statement, listen, we're not going to reward that behavior. Mm -hmm. We're going to cut this maladaptive behavior so it will drop. Um, then you hope that the change will make because Trump will continue to do what he does until he is punished for it, until he realizes I'm not getting anything out of it. Right. I want to see if anybody is counting how many Republican incumbents mm -hmm. have announced that they are not <coughs> running for re-election because it keeps – just this week we got at That's least right. one more Yeah, because uh, the courts uh, threw out – is it North Carolina? Threw out the gerrymand gerrymandering. Ah, 
Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. the district that he had no longer exists, mm-hmm. and the new map is two areas that are blue. Yeah. Which means what they did is they cut into two areas in a way to make a red zone. Yeah. And that's gone. Yeah. And so he just announced he's not even running. Yeah. So he's not he's not he's not running due to moral conflict. He's no. he's not running just because he can't. Yeah, yeah. 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 Cuz yeah. he knows he can't win. Yeah. yeah. Well, there is no moral co- I mean, I don't see any moral compass among the Republicans, which is very striking. I mean, even the the it's opposite the opposite happened. Period. The opposite happened. I, I'm not sure if it was in um, Vermont or um, there was a Democrat uh, House member of the House okay. who switched and became Republican. Oh, the guy he has the guy who hasn't switched yet, or the one. The he, well, he says he's one. going to. He said he's going to. <coughs> yeah. And the Republicans have already embraced him and started funding. Yep. Raising money for it. Yeah. And that may be a money thing. I mean, that may be a numbers thing as well. I mean, yeah. regardless of what right. they say, they look at their yeah. district. And regardless, I mean, I would be so happy if, if a candidate would say or a politician would say, listen, I don't care what my constituency says. This is what the truth is, and this is what I believe, and I have the right to tell my constituency this is where you're wrong. But that's where most of the Republicans are saying. Well, yeah. We don't care what our constituents <coughs> want. Yeah. We're going to do what we think is right. Yeah, yeah. But it's so, – so we'll see. Uh, so that's politics, but there are also some news, which is I try to throw in some fun stuff as well. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked about the Peloton ad. So oh, oh, I, I found this f- very oh. funny. So there's a company that has a an attachment to the Peloton bike, which uh, deals with, for lack of a better word, masturbation. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just to hook you up, like on a daily? Is that what? It's well, uh, it's, to be? it's for uh, needless say, it's for women. It's a little ah! thing that you pop on, you turn on the machine, and you get to have a lot of fun. <laughs> How's that related to Peloton? You put it on the Peloton bike? Well, you can put it on any bike, but they're using the Peloton thing to oh, say, sure. you know, a Peloton <laughs> attachment. So I thought I thought that was funny. <laughs> does does uh, it hook up into the machine so that it actually measures? Where I'm you sure. Are? I'm sure there's a app for it. You know. Oh. <laughs> Uh, also, a um, <laughs> did you hear this? A Missouri teacher asked students, "Set your price for a slave." God, I damn. did hear about that. Yeah, and I'm like, wow, how does this happen There's in 2019? Too many of these stories where I see the headline and go, I can't read this one. I I gotta skip. And then there were the, <clears throat> the two high school students uh, came in. I'm not sure what what the dress up was for because you know Halloween has passed. They came in and Ku Klux Klan uh, outfit. Regalia. Yeah, regalia. This is in Wyoming. And, of course, they were punished, and they were sorry, but you're like, okay, what's happening in the home uh, for this well, to happen? This Real point. I'm, I'm, I'm playing the circle game. That's oh, that, that's right. I'm playing the circle game. Yeah, this was a college football thing, and that was caught on cameras. Ar- Army, 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 Army Navy. Navy. That's right. That's right. And the military has said, <coughs> oh, no, 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 we investigated. I'm like, did y'all? Talking about throwing up that 666? This. So this is a game among middle schoolers. Like, I work with high school and middle school. I have never seen it among high schoolers. I see it all the time among middle schoolers. And it's a circle game. They, they sit around, and if you get somebody across from you to look, then I guess, and I've never seen this where I work. I've never seen the – I work at a private school. They don't allow certain things. So you're supposed to punch them if, they, if you get somebody to look. That's what mm. it says. The white supremacists have picked this up as a way to – and they purposely photobomb where they're throwing this signal to say white power. And every time it comes up in the media, they always deny that's what they're doing. But 
most of these people, if you just do a quick a social media scan, mm. it's a dog whistle. And you can tell because you can look at their social media and see what their politics are and go, oh, no, 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 no. This is you playing a game. Yeah. That's what's going on. And it's not a circle game. But the military has said, no, it, it, it was fine. They were just playing games. How horrible. Yeah. Like, okay, so these are college-age men. Playing a game that middle schoolers play, really? That yeah, high school students exactly. don't even play because it's too immature for them. Yeah. But you're telling me that your military people are so immature mm-hmm. that they're playing this game on national TV. And they weren't playing it at each other. They were purposely trying to get in the camera behind That's right. the, the commentator on yeah, the game. Yeah, the commentator restated. See, I saw that, and I was like, wow. But I'm, I didn't know the history behind that. But it reminded me of in the 50s, the Ku Klux Klan would have their uh, – they would hook their fingers – they would have three thin fingers oh. extended out as sort of a dog whistle, three sure. meaning KKK. Right, right, right. If yeah. anyone's seen Mississippi Burning, they talk about that. Yeah. It's amazing. 2019, we're still dealing with this stuff. The antebellums, you know, the the embers of the antebellum right. South still lingers. That, that's a nice way to put it. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> and uh, the last thing, um, Kirk Douglas is 103 years old. Can you believe that? I didn't know he was still alive. It's yeah, yeah he's still alive. He's not doing an awful lot. <laughs> but uh, wow. And I've never even seen that movie. I've just heard so many memes <laughs> and people. Ah, I'm Spartacus. I'm yeah, like, I've seen. Was he in? No, he wasn't in Ben Hur. I'm getting him confused with uh, no, Charlton Heston. Uh, Charlton Heston. But uh, yeah, I've seen. No, a he bunch did of a bunch of westerns. <clears throat> mm-hmm. He was the dude. He was I the dug, dude. I dug him mm-hmm. so much that when Michael came up, I was like, oh jeez, coattails, yeah. coattails, <laughs> anybody, nepotism, anybody? Right, exactly. But hey, Kurt and the Douglas best Oscar for and the Oscar for the best nepotism this season <laughs> is There's a lot of nepotism. In there is, yeah. yeah. Well, Laura Dern in um, in Marriage Story. But I saw Marriage Story. Laura Dern is great. She's yeah. great. And um, and what's his name? Uh, Driver. Adam Driver? No, Adam Driver's fantastic. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean for the cameos. Oh, Alan uh, Alda. Alan Alda, I love. No, the other guy um, who's, you know, who's like Ray Liotta. And, um, is it Ray Liotta? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy yeah, yeah. cow, because I'm watching it and going. I love him. Who is this guy? Yeah. And, and the first shot of him, he's in the background. So you're seeing the main character <coughs> trying to take in everything he's saying. And he's got a, a you know an aide yeah. over there yes manning him, so they, the camera shot is a wide shot so that you can see all of this. And I'm like, who the fuck? Who is that? <laughs> who is that? And finally, when he gets close up, I'm like, that's Ray Liotta. That that's is right. overweight Ray Liotta. Oh my <laughs> god, he was so good. Oh, he was fantastic. Boy, the movie the movie is good, and it's very. I mean, it's, it reminds me of a play. I always love the movies where it, it, the dialogue is so rich. Mm-hmm. It's like watching a play, but it's filmed. Um, it was but incredible. Boy, painful, though. I mean, painful in a good way. Wonderfully painful. Um, did you know this week Adam Driver walked off of a Terry Yes, he Gross did. Interview. I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> so apparently he has a um, – He a sings being Odia. alive. Yeah. He, he does. He sings be- beautifully. Yes. Oh, my God. It's gorgeous. So, you know, Terry Gross, she always wants to have a clip. So they were playing the clip, and he got up and walked out because he has a phobia against seeing or hearing any of his performances. Mm-hmm. I have that same phobia. I don't I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I won't walk out, but if like if you guys were like, we got this clip for you, Mike, I'd be like, I'm not looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, I'm not. I, I don't but like I, looking I, at myself. I will yeah. respect him for it. I totally respect that. Yeah. I don't agree with it, but I. Yeah. if that's your but process. But he told them. He told them. They had to know. I know. Yeah. He, no, he told them. them. He They're wrong. Yeah. He's not wrong. They're yeah. wrong. Yeah. Because they could have, you know, simple thing is flipping a switch. Or they could have done it. 
post the interview. That's right. That's I don't right. know if he would have let them do it, it didn't have to be live. but they didn't have to do it in the interview. Yeah, yeah. They could have uh, negotiated that. And that's another thing. And that also ties in with the Peloton woman and just any actor that has to advertise what they're doing. You know, I hate hearing that she got attacked. I'm like, yeah, she's an actor. Yeah, exactly. And Michael, I'll People ask don't know how to separate that, though. They yeah. don't. I mean, well, that's part of the craft you know, is we make it real. You make it real, but they're so inundated with, with media, and that's the only interaction they have with celebrities. Right, so, right. of course, they're going to take it as sure. real, you know. Sure, that's sure. That's that's something that I'm we have to do. I'm taking it as a compliment. Honestly. Yeah, you know. Uh, but I mean, no, because, uh, the dude in Law and Order, and I never know his name, but one of the dudes in Law and Order, he's yeah. with uh, Marissa. Uh, Marissa, uh, Mar- Margaret the Haggerty. Yeah. No. That's that the woman. That's the that's the one who's in Mariska. Law and Order SVU. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 The, her um, her original partner. Um, oh, I know who you're talking about. Um, he was on Oz. That was the first time I ever saw him. Marino. Marino. Um, I know who you're talking about. He played uh, Stabler. He's not on there anymore. Yeah, Stabler. Yeah. He was – I first saw him on Oz. Yeah. I hated him. He was a racist, rapist, <laughs> really intelligent, sure, fucked yeah. up, hateful individual. Yeah. And he played it so well. Like he would do this take where it's like, I totally get what you're saying. And he'd just smile at you and say, but it doesn't matter, does it? Mm. I hated him. <coughs> so I would say for at least two seasons of SVU, I'm like, wow, I am liking everything about this story. You guys are doing an amazing job of acting, but I hate your ass. <laughs> and it really took me two seasons to finally go, Norman, actor. Yeah. That's right. That was yeah. a role. That's this right. is a different role. Oh, you know what it was? Yeah. When they brought his family into the story, and I got to see those, because he's a wonderful dad, helpless. Yeah. You know, there's only so much you can do raising a kid. Sure. They brought that to the screen so well, and he played it so well, and I was like, oh, you're an actor. And I'm like, man, please give me the chance for America to just hate <laughs> me. And I felt the same way for Walter Goggins. Walter Goggins is the actor who uh, plays, usually plays, he was on The Shield for a lot. Oh, he was oh. Shane Vendrell, who was a racist uh, L.A. cop from the South. And now he's in a, um, a thing called... Uh, He's basically in a uh, like a romantic comedy. I think it's on HBO, oh. where and you can tell that he probably told his agent, "Listen, I got to normalize what I'm doing because <laughs> I don't want people hate me, you know." So and all that sort of stuff. Right. I don't want to just play that for yeah. the rest of my life. And it gets life. into the career of an actor. I mean, we're talking about film, but it also I think deals with theater as well, where you do a particular role and you can feel producers are putting you in this box and you're like, yeah. hey, I gotta break out of this box. I have to think of myself it not can. as someone, hey, hire me, hire me, hire me, and I'll do whatever you say and I'll put me in whatever box you want. There comes a time where you're like, No, 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 no. I've got to make a decision in my well, career. At that point what you're doing is saying, I don't want to do that anymore. Right. Because there's nothing wrong with being like a horror film star. Sure. You can make a good living doing that. Mm-hmm. But if you don't want to just be that, then, yeah, you have to start going, oh, I have to say no to this script, even though the money's right. Mm-hmm. On a much smaller scale in theater, though, I mean, it happens. I've, I've been in a situation where I played a character that people hated mm-hmm. and then played a character that people love. And afterwards, I come out, they'll be like, I hated your character. And immediately, my first response is to, is to show them a side of me, like smile, hug them, say, that's what you were supposed to think, but I'm cool. Or right. when they say, yeah. Yeah, I loved your character, but that's not necessarily me. And I'd right. be like, I'm glad you loved him, but that, you know, <laughs> right. and just yeah. kind of temper right. people because sometimes people be like, uh, it gets kind of crazy if they hate sure. you, or even if they love you. Yeah. I walked up to a dude um, after Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and he played one of the recording studio engineers, a white guy. 
and uh, and you're supposed to hate him <laughs> because even when he's trying to be good, he's just admitting that he is not going to be. It's great. After the show, and this was a college production. After the show, all these people are swarming. Families are swarming all of the black characters. Nobody. Dude standing off by himself. Oh, so guy. I walked over to him and I said, man, I just want to compliment you. That was an amazing performance. He says, nobody ever talks to me after the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said, you did a good yeah. job. Yeah. And as an addendum, I mean, let's say if a producer watches you, let's say doing a theater thing, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, that's who he is. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things you have to watch out for. It's like, okay, right. if I keep on doing this over and over again, i got to break out of that. So, oh, yeah. 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 Uh, before we get into um, our origin story, uh, it's time to do the, t- the um, two years okay. ago. I, I do have one more current event. Yes. Can, I can save it. Of course. Uh, J.K. Rowling. Oh, yeah. I heard about this. And I'm on apparently the wrong side of this. Like, yeah. I think I just lost a friend on Facebook yeah. because apparently I'm She made an truth. anti-trans uh, comment, she right? She did not. Okay. I, I would contend that she did not make an anti-trans comment. I would contend that she supported that this woman – who is very socially active and mm-hmm. is very su- supportive of gender identity rights, mm-hmm. wants to d- make a distinction between sex, sexual, biological, sexual mm-hmm. identity, yeah. and gender identity. Okay. And she wants to make that distinction. And the court rightly said human rights law. And that's what I love, the difference between America and UK. Yeah. UK says – Human Rights Commission, what they say we are going to make as part of our law. We're going to reference this. Mm-hmm. And they referenced it and said, no, you were not protected. So, no, we, you, you were not discriminated against and you lost your job. And I agree with that. Mm-hmm. But she is arguing for this distinction, and we're not there yet. Yeah. As a, as a culture, as a world culture, we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. So anybody even trying to have the discussion is immediately labeled transphobic. Yeah, and you know, I've been for three days now sifting mm-hmm. through this, and I'm amazed how quickly so many people will jump to that term. And I'm like, well, well did you read what she's talking about? And if you come back – and I – today, this morning, I read a biologist, biology mm. teacher, mm. who – professor <coughs> – who said, let me lay this out for you. Yeah. And went through the whole thing. And this is somebody who is very trans-supportive and supports the position of all this. Yeah. Um, but what they laid out biologically was way more complicated, way more complex mm-hmm. than most people are treating it. And I'm like, that's – and so I finally posted, thank you for this, and thank you for allowing the discussion without jumping to transphobic. Can we have the discussion yeah. without you deciding I'm transphobic? When all I said was, wait a minute, I don't understand. Are you talking about this? This doesn't make sense to me. It reminds me so much mm-hmm. of there was a, uh, a runner – I think yes. she was in um, high school or college or whatever, but born a man, transitioned to a woman, and I think even had surgery or mm-hmm. uh, whatever, but still had all the testosterone of a man right. and was winning all these races. And, right. of course, parents were like, oh, wait a minute, this is a women's race or a girl's race, right. and she's winning. Right. We have a problem with this. This is one of the areas of discussion. Yeah. And I'm like, can we have the discussion without you just immediately jumping – it's like when exactly. the Republicans claim somebody's un-American. I don't agree with you. That doesn't make me un-American. Sure, sure. Yeah, well, Richard Wright says I'm an American butt, and he's talking about just at being able to ask questions and to challenge, and we have the right to do that. You can disagree without being disagreeable. Exactly. Well, and, and I feel like – because the other thing on this is mm-hmm. um, it's being positioned against – there's a term, TERF, 
Yeah. And it's radical feminist is the um, mm. trans exclusionary radical feminist. Mm. And what the radical feminists are saying is that women are still fighting to get their rights, and suddenly this is kind of muddying the waters. Oh, sure. That. Sure. Can we make a distinction? Yeah. And woo. That just trying to ask for that conversation is <laughs> is off the chart. Yeah, I've been I've been reading up on uh, Betty Friedan, and when she created Now, the National Organization for Women, yeah. she ran into uh, the lesbians who tried to get in and right. uh, wanted to assert their rights. Right. And Friedan, yeah, Friedan was against it <laughs> because. Uh, she was conservative, although she, right. w you know, right. believed in women's rights. She was a conservative woman and didn't want other people, you know, muddling it in. I, I can't help but think of the transracial conversation yeah. of a few years ago. Mm -hmm. They go, really, Rachel, Rachel Dozell? No, no, y'all had that conversation over there. I'm, I'm not exactly. in this conversation. <laughs> All right, so let's go into the wayback machine. Two years ago, you're going to get this in almost instantly. Okay. Uh, this is uh, December 2017. And this is guessing oh. who our uh, guest was two okay. years ago. Okay. That's right. And uh, the w we did that <laughs> day we were doing a playwright. We were doing a play marathon. You made this one easy for me. We had to, uh, <laughs> oh, I don't know. We, we planned to go from the morning till the evening just mm. reading plays mm -hmm. uh, as part of, uh, you know, what we used to call the um, mission-based artist. We had a s <coughs> small moment in time where we were together and then uh, – then we actually had another group called um, Lata, which was Latino American theater artists. God, I remember all this. Yes. There you go. Richard. Richard, Richard Talavera. That's exactly right. That was two years ago. Mm. Boy, how time flies. I thought that was like yesterday. <laughs> this is one year ago. Uh-oh. I remember mine. I said, you know, I want to stay up because they keep saying Santa Claus comes at midnight, and I'm right. going to stay up <laughs> to see this guy. Right, you right. And yeah. so my parents put us to bed, and I came downstairs, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited. And it was like 5 past midnight, 20 past midnight, yeah. and there was no Santa Claus. Right. And that's when it hit me, that mm. there, this isn't real. And oh. it was I was so, oh my God. so sad. Mm -hmm. I was, like, so disappointed, and I went to bed, and I cried. And ah! I went, There's no Santa Claus. <laughs> don't, don't know. No. She was our velvet, Priya. Oh, Priya. That's that was right. A year ago. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Time flies. Mm. There you go. So it's been two years of the yay, and we'll continue to do this. And, and she celebrated a big birthday this year. So five. Oh, Priya. my goodness. She looks great for five to 50. Yeah. I wasn't going to say a number. I just <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she put it out there in her own she self. She did put it out there. Yeah, but uh, wow. Uh, all right. So in origin story, we have uh, Michael Wayne Rice. Um, t how did you get involved in theater? Where where'd you where'd you grow up? Yeah, um, where'd you come from? <laughs> <laughs> uh, How'd you get on this boat? Yeah, those two are absolutely not related for me uh, um, because I got I got involved in theater later. But I was I was born in San Bernardino, uh, but I don't remember. I, I moved yeah. out of there when I was young. Mm -hmm. Moved to Oakland and went to oh, school nice. in Oakland for a few years. Mm -hmm. um, Siblings? Yeah. A brother and a sister. Okay. Yeah. Where do you fall? I'm the oldest. You're the oldest. Hey! There you go. I'm the oldest yes, of four. Right on. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Yeah. Where you? Did they put you into? Did you do like uh, acting when you were a kid? No. Okay. No, not at all. The closest thing I did to act. So I didn't become. An, I didn't get into acting till I was like 26. Wow. But there was something that happened when I was 
I don't know. I was. It was like the first, you know, around the age, the first time when your parents send you off to camp. Sure, sure, uh, sure. And, and you stay over <coughs> for a week. And mm. the counselor, we had this, we had to do skits. Mm-hmm. And the counselor that ran our cabin auditioned everybody. And I was like, I'm not auditioning. Mm-hmm. And, 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 <laughs> I, and I didn't. But I sat watching the auditions. And the, the instructor would go, okay, this is what I want you, I want you to do. This, this, this. Something like, I want you to stop in the back, run out in front, come out panting, and then say this line. <laughs> right? And the first kid did it. And, and I was like, that's not what the guy asked. Right. Second kid did it. That's not what the guy asked. Third kid, like, like, constantly, nobody was doing what he asked. And I just was like. That's not what he asked. And so I was sitting off in the bleachers by myself, mm-hmm. and finally the the, the, the counselor was like, Mike, do you want to try? Prior to that, <laughs> I'd been like, no, 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 no. But right. finally I was like, yeah, because nobody was doing what he – and I just did what he said. Right. And then he was like, you have to do it. I was like, ah, shit. I did it, but I didn't get the acting bug. But what that let me know, which I was able to realize later, is that I had good listening skills. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so then fast forward, I don't know how many years, um, and um, I, I really wanted to be an eye surgeon because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, I saw a, a, an ophthalmologist special on, on like PBS at some point. Mm-hmm. But college physics kicked my ass. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Changed my major a few times. Um, Where'd you go? Uh, I started off at Ohlone College, and I went to Cal State Northridge. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Then ultimately, at University of Missouri, Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, changed my major a few times, and then finally, I mean, this is this is kind of typical for a lot of black folks. Um, uh, 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 I saw a flyer up for a play. I was like, I don't know what the <coughs> fuck I'm doing. My life. I'm just gonna audition for a play, and it was a slave narrative, which mm-hmm. is what a lot of black how a lot of black mm-hmm. people get into mm-hmm. theater. Uh-huh. Um, and I auditioned for that, and I got a small role, nothing big. Yeah. Um, but um, that. Then I was hooked, hmm. and I was probably about 26. I, I, I went through school very slowly. I now, was that learning. in Kansas City? Was that no, Missouri? Okay. No. Uh, which part? When when I got when, there? When you got that role. Cause you're, oh, no, you're that was at Cal State Northridge. Got it. I yeah. understand. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, yes. Okay. So you got the bug there. So you got uh, started there. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Cool. Did you, uh, did you study theater? Um, I mean, did you the, eventually? For the, for the last two years I was at. At Cal State Northridge, I did, yeah. I okay. went to their, their, their acting concentration, and then I went directly to grad school after that. Nice, nice. Yeah. Did you um, did you pick up any techniques, like, I don't know, Meisner or oh, yeah, yeah. Stanislavski? Uh, it's mostly Stanislavski-based in, in undergraduate, mm-hmm. um, and then Stanislavski, Meisner in graduate. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a lot of Meisner, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, I feel like I'm still learning my, what Meisner <laughs> is, and it's so yeah. funny because when people break it down, it makes so much sense. But I'm like, I keep hearing the term. <laughs> yeah, and it's one of the reasons why I keep asking because there's still a lot of techniques I don't know uh, anything about. Um, like uh, there's, oh sure, I can't remember it, uh, a lot of them, but uh. I'm always interested in hearing what other people have learned and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So when you came back to the Bay, well, you were oh, you already in the Bay. Well, what brought you to the Bay, San Francisco Bay? Um, so I was basically. Raised in raised Union here, City, yeah. so oh, okay. I was this is my the Bay is my home. Gotcha. You know? So yeah. you just came back from school. And yeah. Okay. Not directly, but yeah. Okay. Oh, you, you traveled around before you got back. So this is the thing. Um, I graduated. I graduated uh, uh, grad school. Uh-huh. Got to went to New York. Got there eight days before the September 11th. Wow. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
everything <laughs> shut down. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and the theater world. I happened to get a few gigs while I was out in New York. Um, uh, it g- happened to get my equity card. Like, the theater company, like, we will we'll give you your equity card. I'm not equity anymore, but I was. Um, but eventually I just came back to the Bay because I didn't know how to operate in such a – in a city that was – radically changed instantly mm-hmm. yeah now what brought you to new york did you just go there just i mean did you have any connections or anything of, like the that? pressures of grad school okay that's what they say yeah. go to new york yeah no right. i hear you right I hear yeah you. yeah it's amazing i keep on talking about new york i mean i was in new york this is bef- way before september 11th but um people say that it's cha- it changed dra- drastically not just september 11th but just mm-hmm. pre-giuliani post-giuliani yeah uh, the cleaning up and all of that stuff. I don't know how to, I did. I didn't know how to appreciate that. I don't know if I do now. Um, uh, it, looking back, I know that it changed a lot. But at the time, I was just like, something's going on, and this is really bad, and I don't really know what to do. Um, but I loved New York, the city, mm-hmm. mainly because it's a nighttime city, and I'm a I'm a night owl. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. How did you find uh, race race issues in New York? I mean, did you find um, because when I, I mean, I talk about it all the time. You know, when I was there, there was Tawana Brawley, there was Yusuf Hawkins, there was the Central Park Five. Spike Lee wrote uh, "Do the Right Thing," mm-hmm. Black Rap. You know, there was um, um, what's the uh, the um, KRS One and um, Public Enemy. You know, that came out of you know just what was happening in New York. And imagine, you know, like uh, the two thousands. You know, uh, the, the dynamic had changed. Did you feel welcome uh, in New York? I don't know if I felt welcome. Um, I wasn't there for very long. I was okay. there maybe for six months. Okay. Um, what what I mostly remember was how fucking blunt and or rude New Yorkers were. <laughs> that's exactly like right. They get straight to the damn <laughs> point. Get out my fucking way if you ain't gonna move up. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know what? That's what I remember most. Uh, yeah, so, they don't play around. Yeah. So when you came back to the Bay, were you involved in theater companies? I mean, what was no. your what was your first uh, time on stage? Um, I didn't. I came mm, my first time on stage. Yeah, well, he, uh, here in the grad, Bay. Yeah, after grad bay. school. Yeah. Hmm. I, I Reg, I, my memory is so bad, <laughs> dude. Um, so I don't. I don't know that this was the first time I was on stage in the Bay, but the most significant company that said. Hey, we're gonna take a chance on you with Livermore yeah. Shades. Oh, right on. Oh. But I may have done stuff. Really, before yeah. that? Huh? I mean, not before that. Damn. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. There's I probably like I knew you before before Livermore Shades. Really? I think I thought I met you during Livermore Shades. Maybe that's what it was. Huh? Yeah. It's I'm been so long. <laughs> damn. <laughs> 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 now I've got your Facebook thing here. Clean uh. <laughs> 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 information. But in any case, no, Livermore treated you good. Talk about you and Norman. How did you, how did you two meet? I, re- I, I thought it was doing a show, but I can't, no, hardly, I I can't even hardly remember the no, show. Uh, um, Cymb- Cymbeline. Cymbeline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I was playing a villain that I will freely admit I was not ready for. It was just a role, a type of role, mm-hmm. you know, a, a character that I just didn't have a clue really what to do with. Mm-hmm. And I watched Michael walking around gleefully going through his stuff. Uh-huh. Gleefully. <laughs> Most people don't dis- don't describe me as gleeful. Not glee <laughs> confidently. Yeah, yeah. There was just a solidness to it, and I was like, "Damn, maybe I maybe I bit off more than I could chew." Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, that yeah. was my my sense of it. I just I really wanted it to be more than it was. It's funny. I've had a couple of experiences like that where I'm like, "This is 
this isn't what I thought I was going to be doing, mm. and not in a positive way. I'm, I'm not learning. I'm learning a lesson, but <laughs> I'm getting spanked. Oh, really? Did you have a difficult time with Cymbeline? I did. I like. I I did. I stayed away from Livermore Shakes mm. for a few seasons <clears throat> after that because I felt so disheartened. I was just hmm. like, wow, wow, I really I wanted no to. I wanted to bring it more, and I didn't feel like I did. Hmm. Hmm. I had no clue. Well, I, you know, I don't I remember much going. about Cymbeline at all. I mean, well, it's a strange-ass story. Well, I'm just talking about even the experience. Like, I uh, I forget yeah. so yeah. much. Stuff. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like, okay, so I'm tracking. So around 2001, you were in New York, and then you came back. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like, you, you know, like Cymbeline, was that like 2003, 2004? No, I think it was later, maybe. Later? No, it was, around, it was yeah. 2003, 2004, right okay. around there. Yeah. Oh. But it sounds like you were, the minute you got back, you were just hitting, you know, like you were. It sounds like you were very active. I mean, not only but were you I doing was, that. I wasn't. Because I got back probably around 2002, mm-hmm. maybe two, 2000, around 2002, yeah. Um, and I, 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 I tried to get into theater, yeah. um, but I, I wasn't getting very many bites. Um, and then I actually <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I accidentally fell into working with special needs kids. Okay. And mm-hmm. um, my mom was like, you need to find a job, go find s- maybe a substitute teacher. So I went to the school that she happened to work at. She was like, oh, you're going to go there? Uh, tell Jack I said hi. It's like, why am I going to tell you? Tell my mom I said hi. <laughs> <laughs> and so I go in and get the interview, and I'm talking. And he's interviewing me, and I said, oh, by the way, uh, my mom, Carol Rice, says hi. He goes, Carol Rice, so you want a job? <laughs> and I was there like, doing what? And he's like, working with special needs. I'm like, why me? This is exactly what he said. You're big and you're black and you can intimidate the kids. No, there you go. Mm. <laughs> Straight not to the point. Work, but <laughs> right. Not how I work, but yeah. you know. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I got, I got into that um, and that took over my life for a little while and I was just kind of dabbling in theater. Yeah, and it sounds like special need kids. I mean, you were talking about autism and, um, but it sounds like you have a passion for that now. That's me. Um, no, I think that's. I, I, ha- I, I had a passion, but it, it wasn't something that I knew I had a passion for. Mm. Um, so I just kind of fell into it. Yeah. Um, but it's easy to get burnt out in that field. Yeah. Easy. I imagine so. I mean, you know, the kids, of course, they don't mean to, you know, um, act out or, you know, they're just, you know, because there's a chemical imbalance when you deal with autism and. Um, those who are developmentally disabled, but they need the help. And uh, like I've, I have a few friends who uh, deal. There's a lady that I'm sort of talking to who has a child, mm-hmm. and you know, part of it is her help making people understand what she has to go through as a mother. I mean, you know, as a teacher, you know, you deal with the kids until it's time to go. Yeah. Um, Even as a teacher who worked with with kids on the spectrum or special needs in other ways, mm-hmm. like I can never understand what a parent goes through. I can get a glimpse, yeah. but there's a difference between school and home. I oh think yeah. one of the big, most important things about burnout in the field yeah. is, is that – I'm sorry. Yeah, it's – oh, sorry. Is that um, it's the pay. Mm-hmm. It's the pay that doesn't allow you to really do anything. There's no sense of security, so there's always this anxiety mm. of – and so – <coughs> they don't get paid enough. Yeah, no, right? I hear you. And 
when you're constantly in a, in, a, in, a, in a battle, in a struggle, and then you can't take time off and take a vacation because you don't get paid enough. Sure. Ha- you know. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's a, um, it's, it reflects how the education system, you know, treats its teachers. Absolutely. Especially teachers who are very, very much needed. I mean, you know, if, if there weren't teachers like you to take care of these developmentally dis- disabled kids, like autism and, and other things, so like even the work that you do, Norman, with uh, Each One Reach One, when you did work with Each I, One Reach One. I know. One. I'm feeling bad about it because I don't know if I'm back anymore. But yeah. I, but it, I but I it all so. ties into money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. No, that's, that's why I'm not there. Yeah. You know, for the amount of, of commitment of time, mm-hmm. for the amount of money, the other variable with them is they're just their their schedule is <coughs> so they ask you if you have these time, you commit the time, and mm-hmm. then out of the blue, right before they'll say, "Oh, we're not doing that." And it's like, I suddenly don't have money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Folks, if you're in a crackling, that's my microphone, so I will deal with that. So just bear with the, you know, hopefully it won't be too much. Um, let's talk about the directing. Like you, so you mm-hmm. dabbled into directing, and also, you know, you got into the podcast. It sounds like you were becoming more of a creative. You were sort of branching out of your box. You weren't just waiting for a director to say, "Okay, I'm going to cast you in this or whatever." You were sort of taking control over your um, your creative life. I struggle with that, Reg. Um, to be honest about how much control I've taken or need to take, um, I think in the acting world, I probably didn't take enough or got too cocky that didn't help um in the directing that was kind of maybe sporadic Mm -hmm. it's not something that i like actually pursued yeah but i have such a strong relationship with livermore shakespeare that the artistic director there lisa tromovich um just entrusted me to do stuff from time to time Mm -hmm. oh right on Uh, and then recently you know uh, let me direct a fellow. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. When was that? That was the summer. Yeah. That was the summer? <laughs> yeah. how, did, how did it go? It went well. It that, went yeah. well. that was the one I was jonesing for. Yeah. Oh, that was the one. <laughs> I see. So you were auditioning for him. Yeah. Right? I was. <laughs> I heard you guys talking about that on the last podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm? I heard you guys talking about A couple yeah. of podcasts, yeah. So oh, we, yeah. we talked about it more than yeah. once because yeah. I was like, I was so like, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm hoping, I'm going to see. Yeah. And yeah, you uh, normally talk about shocked. the dynamic of how audiences usually traditionally think of Othello as this great big hulking man who is controlling these other individuals and how difficult it can be if you don't necessarily fit that genre. I mean, I don't know if I can, you know, play Othello because, you know, I'm five feet seven. If and you're doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. Uh, but you had mentioned, Norman, that, you know, like there were a couple of folks who were like, wow, you know, you really brought it or, you know, you yeah. were. Yeah. We, <laughs> we did a reading at the beginning of the year, and he's like, I got to tell you. Yeah, yeah, he did. That I really appreciated your audition. Like, I, I, like literally, I was like this. That's Norman. Yeah. Because <laughs> he did. He brought it. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he, like he said in the podcast, he was auditioning against Iagos that were like six feet, mm-hmm. you know, or, or over six feet. And all of a sudden, Norman was taller than them. Yeah, and it was it was it was it was amazing to see. Um, was was that your first directing debut, or it wasn't my first directing debut? No, it was it, the first directing debut for for Shakespeare. Okay, a full production. Yeah, yeah. but I've directed a couple of other things. Okay, was it easy or difficult? I mean, uh, it's it's difficult putting on another hat. Um, you know, because usually as an actor, I'm like, okay, well, just tell me what to do, and I'll get off my lines and learn the blocking. But you know, just 
push me to where I'm. And but as a director, you know, you sort of have to, you know, you have to strategize every day as to what's going to happen for this next rehearsal cycle or whatever. H- logistics was the hardest part for me, like figuring out the logistics of a rehearsal schedule, mm-hmm. um, who to bring in, how much time each person needed, how, or how much time each scene needed. Yeah. Um, but working right, and you can't you can't anticipate that as much as you might try when you sure. get the actual bodies <laughs> in the room. Yep. And you start to see the work, and you realize that this is weaker than this, or uh, yeah, I don't need to spend as much time on. The, but you can't predict that. Of course, and yeah. dealing with conflicts like people calling in saying, "Oops, I'm sick. And, oh, I'm late. Oh, I'm yeah. sick. It just drives me crazy. I'm late. That yeah, I, I don't like that. Um, I mean, late. I, I can understand if it happens right. once or twice. If it's consistent, yeah. no. But what I don't like, uh, or what I shouldn't say I don't like, but what's interesting to handle is conflicts between people. Oh, that's the messy, yeah. That's the mm-hmm. messy stuff. Did you have to deal with that with oh, Bellfellow? Yeah. I don't think you ever can get in the show and not have to deal with it on <laughs> some form or another. Sure. You know, sometimes to other actors, it might not be known to them that this is going on. Yeah. Um, but um, luckily, I had a fucking amazing cast who were willing to talk about the issues that needed to be talked about. Mm. So, yeah, there were some conflicts, but there was great. There was a great atmosphere of communication. Yeah. And I think everybody respected that. So it was. It ended up being ultimately um, a great atmosphere to, to be in. Yeah. It's something that, Norman, I've, this is a question I'll ask the both of you as directors. I find that, uh, do you find that you have to, and this is something I asked Don Monique Williams when she was on, and now she, oh, dr- she is directing oh Aurora. Yeah, no, she was fantastic, and it was such a great get to have her. She directed me twice. As far as putting on the hat of, you could be a director, but you also have to be a reader of people and knowing how people are and what personalities, like you have to know who you can push, how not to push that individual. Um, When Norman directed My Piece Foreman in Paris, we had to deal with some conflict issues, but also Norman had to read who he's dealing with, who he's working with. Barry was different than Imperia. Well, right. Is different I, I've than had people who saw the show say, oh, I really hated that actor in the show. And I'm like, and, and it takes me aback because I, I really do have to step back mentally a couple of steps and go, oh, I knew this is what I had to deal with. This is who I had. This is who I had. Mm-hmm. How can I make this work? So I'm thrilled with where we got. But now when I take those two steps back, I'm like, oh, you're right. Yeah, that, yeah, that was so much not what... Mm-hmm. What I would have aimed for when I started my process, and I started making more time in rehearsal to go, oh, I got to deal with this. I got to make this work, and I was, I was thrilled with the result. But yeah, I, yeah. I got to take that honest feedback that that didn't work for me. Oh. Well, yeah. I mean, we we talked about like we had one guy who was a great big guy. I mean, he's right. like six feet three. But uh, and we talked about this, and this is sort of a black issue where he had structured his life. I want to be not threatening to people. Mm-hmm. I want to be the nice guy. You don't have to cross the street. And of course we got him on stage and we're like, no, 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 we need this guy to be powerful or whatever. To be bigger than life. To be bigger than life. Have you had, dealing with directing, let's say you you know see someone in an audition and you're like, okay, I think I know who this person is. And then when they're on the stage, you're like, oh no, this is not what the person is, but I've cast this person. i got to deal with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like um, that answer. 
So how, how do you roll with it? I mean, do you just roll with what they have? or? Do you I mean, that's the, that's the only thing that you can really – what I've, what I've learned is, first of all, I don't know – like, you have to know how to work, how to deal with each person – personality. Yeah. I don't necessarily know how to do that. So I almost always come at people the same way mm-hmm. until I get feedback that, oh, that's not the right way. Sure. I don't know how to figure people out that quickly. And yeah. then I adjust. Um, and But I always try to work with who the person is. Mm-hmm. Because I know that if you can work with who the person is, you can always find something right. related to the text yeah. from which they could build up yeah. from. There, there yeah. you go. There you go. You know. Because obviously they audition for the part. So if right. you audition for the part, you have to – when I audition for a particular part, I'm like, hey, that I know something about this character that I want. Let's say it's Sweeney Todd. I want to mm-hmm. be Sweeney Todd. I'm like, hey, I have an idea of what Sweeney Todd is. I have something to bring to the table. So I can't go into the rehearsal space and not have the energy or whatever. It's like, oh, why did you audition for it if you don't know what this character is about? I got in. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Go go right ahead. I was just going to say I I got invited to dramaturg a Mm -hmm. piece just for a reading in in next month. And when I got the call, life was crazy. I'll just make it that simple. And so I said, I don't think I can do this. And – when I tried to explain to Mara why I wasn't doing it, I said, okay, so here's the deal. Dramaturgy, on the face of it, is research. Is You, you should be an expert in something or familiar with something. Um, and then below that, beneath that, is structure, that you should have a real solid understanding of how a script is structured, how it works. And you should be on the same page with the playwright yep. about this stuff. Yep, yep, yep. So that y'all can work together. Which, to me, brings in the most important element in all this, and that is how do personalities come together. Mm -hmm. So I just – and I've been invited a couple of times in recent years, and I realized I kind of dropped Dramaturg off of my uh, resume because I realized the most important part of it is a playwright is at that point in the process where they want help. Mm -hmm. They don't want to fight with somebody. Yeah. They want somebody who is on their (laughs) side and – and I realize even at the highest levels of theater, if you're paying me to be the dramaturg, you didn't pay me to come in and fight with this playwright. You might have paid me to come in and make sure this play is up to the standards of your theater company. Sure. And you better be paying me good money for that. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it's going to be how do these personalities <coughs> jive? And that was, I was like, I do not have time mm-hmm. to work my personality around somebody else. And if I have what I think is a real clear understanding of this material and it doesn't agree with you, I'm not the producer, and I'm not the playwright. I'm just somebody coming in with an opinion. Right, exactly. I don't think I want to get paid to yeah. be somebody who, who needs to come in and fight for their opinion. Yeah. And talking about personality-wise, like when you're listening to you over the couple of podcasts that we've done, you've talked about when, you've, when you're hired as an actor, your conversation with the director – even when you're not asking questions, like you'll ask about the character. It's like, hey, this is what I want to do with the character. This may even be before the rehearsal process even begins. Well, I wasn't in the, pro- I wasn't in the habit of having that conversation. I'm thinking it's a useful conversation now. It is, and I think it's something all many actors can do. And from a director's perspective, you can know how to push the actor, or at least you'll know what ideas the actor has. Well, bringing this around to directing, though, mm-hmm. I'm starting to think that same thing. If I'm not on the same page with the producers about this, 
how much of a fight do I want to put up? And then it really does come down to the paycheck. How much are you paying me? Because if you're not paying me enough, then I'm just going to put my head down and get this done or I'm going to quit. Mm -hmm. But if we're talking about the art and you're paying me enough so that this isn't mm -hmm. costing me yeah. to put all the extra mental anguish into it that I'm going to put into it, mm -hmm. I'll have that fight. I don't mind fighting. I don't mind arguing. Yeah. But mm, I don't want a job where that's an element of it or I don't know that we're already – close enough to being on the same page that I can help you. Sure. Here's, okay. a, question, here's a question for you, Michael. Um, it's, it's talking about fighting, let's say you have a direction for an actor. You think you know where this character's going, but the actor doesn't agree, or the actor is fighting with you. I think this is a question that I asked Susan Evans and a couple of other directors we've had, where it's like, you, you know, what you're getting from the actor is not where you want to go. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with that, if you've had to deal with that? Yeah, um... I've had to deal with it, um, and the most important lesson I learned from that is if they say they want to take it a certain direction, I prod, I prod, I prod, I ask more questions, I, I make them get more specific, because usually when you can do that, mm -hmm. we can find a connection. I can right. say... I think the same thing. We're looking at the same thing, but the presentation, I just want to tweak a little bit. Yeah. And as long as you can get to a point of common understanding, which for me means asking much more pointed questions than they've explored, mm -hmm. we can get somewhere. The thing is, is when you're working with actors as a director, um, I believe that you can't just ask the actor to do – I can't ask – actor to do what I want. Right. It's excellent point. Ex excellent point. And yeah. I had, so I've been in a lot of good productions, but I've been in some crappy productions where a director will say, okay, do this. And the actor's like, well, why? And the director's like, it just looks good. Just don't ask me questions. Just do it. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> you know, you're doing something because, not because it comes organically from me, but because a director wants right. me to do it. I at guess it looks good. At that point, again, I, I look at the paycheck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shut up. We're going to do this. Do you enjoy acting or do you enjoy directing? I mean, what do you, what do you see yourself do in you the future? Do um, I'm, I'm, I'm almost done with acting. Um, it's, getting, it's getting hard to memorize anymore. Oh. Um, and I find myself. You're not, that, you're not that old, I don't I'm, think. I'm, I'm old enough to be struggling with life. <laughs> 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 but here's, here's the thing. I find myself. N no longer able to let the lines go. And by that, I mean, once you memorize them, they sure. should just be able to come. That's right. right. And, yeah. I, I, and I always have to think about them anymore. Mm -hmm. like that's not a good place to be for an actor. Sure. And I don't want to be like the athlete who has won, uh, you know, three Super Bowls and is now 45 and trying to win another Super Bowl. You <laughs> Unless know, you're Tom you know, Brady. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but even then, you know, he, he's going he's gonna to come up to that limit. Sure. And if you continue to try to go past that limit when obviously you can't, yeah. I don't want to go out on the decline. Not that I'm, I'm like some – I've not won an Oscar. I've not won – you know, a, a Theater Bay Area award mm -hmm. or anything oh, like and that. I got, but and I got one I want to talk to you about. Off mic. Uh, uh, talk about <laughs> Off mic. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. Uh, but, yeah. But as a creative, I mean, you, you still have the creative uh, urge. Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I enjoy directing. It. it um, I think for me, one of the lucky things for acting is I feel like I've said a lot of what I can say. Mm -hmm. So it's not 
super hard stepping away from acting. I may do some more contemporary stuff because I can do that. Mm-hmm. I can't do Shakespeare anymore. I won't do Shakespeare acting. Mm-hmm. Um, but directing is a whole nother creative outlet that mm-hmm. is challenging and scary as hell for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it allows me to interact with people in a way that I never have with just being amongst actors. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, so yeah. No, that's exciting, and it sounds like Livermore Shakes, they've invested in you already. Are you still involved in Livermore, Livermore Shakes? Well, yeah. yeah. There you yeah, go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, very cool. I just finished directing a reading for them like a week ago. Nice. Yeah. What, what, what piece? Uh, they're, they're, they're Christmas stories. They have an event called uh, at a place called Swirl, and we read a couple of Christmas stories that are, like, super old. One was called, like, A, cr- a Child's Christmas in Wales. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Dylan, uh, Thomas. Dylan Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. Uh, very nice. Um, so, question just in terms of our history. Um, were you in a Crowded Fire show? I was. I w- two Crowded Fire shows. Long time ago was um, Rebecca Novick was the artistic director yes. there. Yes. Uh, what was the show? I can't. I can't. It, it was um, set in a, a union. A factory. <coughs> union. factory. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, we talked after that. Because that was, I think that was when I was like, okay, I got to have a conversation with you more. Because I was like. I have a question about this scene. It don't make no sense to me. You're like, dude, I've been asking that the whole time. I was like, thank you. <laughs> that playwright, I, um, that playwright, that specific playwright, uh, I think the playwright is Naomi Wallace. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm just like, I, I can't act in her stuff. <laughs> I don't. It, that there, there are artists who can do what she right. writes, but right. I'm not that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've been there. There have been a couple of Carol Churchill pieces where I'm like, this is tough. Yeah. <laughs> it's just either very abstract or whatever. But, you know, you do the best you can as an actor. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, it's exciting to, uh, to, to um, you know, you, you're still in it. Although, you know, as an actor, I, I can understand, you know, like, um, you, you know, the lines just aren't, you know, just don't right. have the vibe that you have. But you haven't let go of that creative spirit. No. And uh, you're still finding ways of making the Bay Area. How has the Bay Area treated you as an actor? Do you feel... Um, it's a complicated question, Rich. Because, it? <laughs> <laughs> um, because I think there is an element of me saying and or doing things that were controversial. Mm-hmm. And um, the Bay Area, I, I, I think now in retrospect, any theater community would be like, what the theater company would be like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you know, um, the, biggest, the biggest one... Um, being uh, having a money back guarantee for my performances, oh, okay. um, and that you know created some controversy. So mm-hmm. um, I think there is an element of me not allowing opportunities to come because of some of the things that I've done mm-hmm. in the past, um, <coughs> and also not going necessarily full bore on trying to build that acting career that I wanted um, especially coming out of grad school there was you know I, I ego involved thinking I was owed mm-hmm. stuff and that hurt me bad but I couldn't see that until later I think that's yeah. a lot of training though I think a lot of training leaves people walking out with that sense of I didn't done the work where's mine sure sure and we've talked about narcissism or balancing ego and pride as an actor because you have to sort of pro- promote yourself and yeah. tell people, hey, I'm this. But also have the humility to say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm eager to listen. I'm eager to take direction. And if I have to take some lower roles to, you know, to again, to earn, to earn myself, too. then 
So I think that's something that every actor has to deal with. Mm -hmm. So I totally yeah. understand with that. All right. Have we hit the one-hour mark? I think we have. I think point. we have. Yeah. Wow. Birthdays. Birthdays. Um, and, and it's funny. Since we're going to do two today, I mm -hmm. will do <laughs> last week's birthdays uh -huh. um, for the other one. Yeah, for uh, those who are listening, Omega. we're, we're going to have uh, Dave Moshler, who uh, runs the awesome orchestra. He has a uh, an orchestra, so uh, he and he's been working with a lot of uh, Bay Area musicals. Uh, but in any case, that'll be our next Yay podcast. Yeah, uh, this week, uh, today actually, Sarah Betnell um, is a young woman, and it's so funny. She did what I thought I wanted to do when I got married. I thought I'd want to combine my name, not hyphenated, just combine somehow the two names. Mara said no. Mm. I'm Fox. I'm a B Fox. I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, well, I'm G. I'm a BG. <laughs> there you go. But Sarah, Sarah Betnell um, combined her name with her husband's. Mm -hmm. um, and I met her when Oakland Public Theater was first starting. And mm. she was just such a wonderful energy. And she has taken that energy back east. And it sounds like they're involved in their community, including theater, mm -hmm. you know, in, up in New England. Yeah. Just amazing, it seems. When I, when I, from what I see on Facebook, mm -hmm. Armand Edwards Dorsey is. When I started doing Bay Area theater, I started paying attention to every other black actors. Like, who, who else is up for this role? Mm -hmm. Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> Armand was one of those, and it's so funny because I think we've been up for the same role a few times. We are so different, but he's got such a again wonderful energy, amazing actor. Um, and David Wesley Skillman um, is a Bay Area act. I don't know that he's acting anymore. Um, but was fantastic and was a mainstay at the African-American Shakespeare Company for a number of years. So. Mm -hmm. uh, Judith Offers, Oakland playwright. Judith Offer. As a matter of fact, I worked with her. She, uh, I, I'm a writer. So. She runs the thing at the Brooklyn Preserve. That's uh, right. For playwrights. Mm -hmm. um, she is a playwright. Yeah. Uh, her birthday's tomorrow. Mayron, yes, yes, she was. I hope I pronounced that. I hope I didn't mangle that too much. Um, just played my daughter in Midsummer Night's Dream. So that oh, was nice. kind of cool. Um, Kimberly Dooley is um, Mrs. Patrick Dooley, but she's also a mainstay at the Berkeley Playhouse as well as Shotgun Players. Stephen Jones, Stephen Anthony Jones, uh, mm -hmm. retired from uh, running uh, Lorraine Hansberry. Okay. Um, he still does acting, but he keeps claiming he's retired. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ron Mesa is somebody I went to Cal Arts with. Um, that was where I learned that training programs can be problematic because mm. Ron is an amazing comedian. Like, uh, who's the guy? Nathan uh, Nathan Lane? Mm -hmm. He's got that kind of energy. Oh, no, yeah. And our first year at CalArts, they were like, we want to push you towards Shakespeare. And it's like, this guy's a musical theater genius. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you're pushing him towards Shakespeare. Shakespeare was fine, but yeah. they were like, it made me think of that Aesop's fable where the fish are trying to learn how to fly and, you know, <laughs> Try and learn fish trying to learn how to climb trees. The yeah, birds right trying to learn how to swim, and yeah. the fish trying to learn. How to, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know why you do that? Um, Aquanetta birthday's coming up. There this you week. go. Aquanetta yes. Summers. I I can't wait for the next time I see her on stage. I Has it been a while for her? With her. I'm not sure. I haven't checked in with her this year. Yeah, yeah. But um, I can never get too much. Aquanetta. No, yeah, me me too. Before the dream. Go ahead. Yep. Uh, Laura Nichols is somebody uh, Canadian. I didn't know this concept. Canadian, um, um, Af African Canadian, Afro Canadian. Yeah, yes, you um, and I met her doing the Scottish play, and mm -hmm. um, and we kept in touch. And, uh, and then there's a young woman, Gareth Tidball, and mm -hmm. she is somebody's daughter. I think a playwright through, that I met through Play Cafe, mm -hmm. her daughter. Yeah, but she's doing shows in New York, and she was out visiting, and so we connected. And uh huh. 
you know, I keep reading that she's doing more stuff. And I'm like, yeah, keep going. Keep right going. on. So those are the birthdays I have. And mine's in seven days. Yours in ah, seven days. Ah, right ah, on. Yeah, so yeah. we'll celebrate your birthday as well. Um, Cynthia Lagozinski, we had her on, and uh, she has She was just in my reading. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, small world, huh? <laughs> yeah, she, we, she and I were on stage, Skin of Our Teeth, and uh, she um, was a guest on the Yay. Fantastic woman. Um, her birthday was Friday, yesterday. Um, my cousin Tony Tatum, uh, uh, a rapper and a, um, a creative uh, on the West Coast. I'm sorry, East Coast. East Coast. The uh, other coast. His birthday is today. So, Tony, I think he is a distant cousin of uh, the great Jack Tatum, who used to play for the Raiders. Oh. Um, back in the 70s. Okay. Uh, Adam Simpson. His birthday is the day before Christmas. He is a Canadian, and uh, we had him on for the A. He is a longtime actor, and I think he'll be taking over Off-Broadway West because the Harders have moved. Oh, that's a yeah. yeah. It's going to keep going. I think it's going to keep going. Yeah, Adam has been, great. you know, a, uh, I think I, I get the sense that he's going to take over that. Um, Damien Brown, he is a oh, uh, fantastic he's, he's on my list. How black I actor. Him? Yeah, we got to get him on. I don't know him, but I see his his face all the time. Damien is amazing, and I, I'll yeah. be happy to reach out to him. Um, Absolutely, he's he is a, a Christmas baby. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I have a couple of friends who are Christmas yeah. babies. Yeah. Uh, Daisy Nesky is she is a costume designer. As a matter of fact, she was our costume designer for Four Men in Paris. Oh, yeah, and Daisy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Her birthday, and she's doing a lot of great work costuming at ACT. And, um, oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. No, she's doing some great work costuming. In any case, her birthday is uh, the 26th. Also on the 26th, Anita Veramontes. Um, we had her and her sister, Sheila, on. Those are the singing sisters, and uh, she, she's oh, doing right. a bunch of all right, we are back on. I had to switch mics. Uh, so, in any case, let me run through uh, the shows that I have. Actually, uh, you want to give me the shows you had again? Uh, the only thing I mentioned was the uh, Monday. Uh, well, Monday night playground um, in January, which will be the third January of the month at Berkeley Rep, um, which I'm assuming I'll be directing in, <laughs> and um, the Three Girls uh, Company, which I pulled up their page. Theater, Three Girls Theater. Um, and they're doing a reading mm -hmm. series, and in January, uh, January 12th, will be Victoria Irville's play, but I don't see it listed yet on their thing. So you <laughs> can look. Three girls, no space, Three, the number three, three girls, the uh, company. Nice. Uh, a Brand New brain, brain is playing at the Tabard Theater. I don't know anything about it, but I have a link here, and Marla Cox, who... Uh, she was in my little mini musical, Nia, and she is a, uh, a, a very gifted singer and actress, and she'll be in that. Um, and I'll have the link to that. Uh, also, How to Transcend a Happy Marriage. Uh, Custom Aid Theater is doing that January the 17th mm. through February the 9th. Also, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum, that Ooh. wonderful Stephen Sondheim thing. Mm -hmm. Custom Aid as well. Alan Coyne will be in that. Alan Coyne, he's doing yeah, all sorts of he stuff. He is. Uh, that'll be in June, June 5th through the July the 19th, and we'll advertise that as, as we go through. How about Playground? Are you doing anything with Monday Night Playground? Yeah, Monday Night Playground next month. Yeah, oh, I, there just you go. Did, I just did one. It was a lot of fun. Cool. Uh, it was so weird because we went to a, a Christmas party with the Secret Santa. The play that I was doing had that, and it was so fun to, to watch it sort of play out. And we actually used... There was a scented candle that's mentioned in the play, and we had one from last oh. year <laughs> okay. that Mara just refuses to touch. I was like, yeah. we're using the candle. <clears throat> there we go. And the last show, um, 
is actually running right now. Vinegar Tom, uh, Shotgun Players, is doing oh, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it ran from December the 6th, and it'll end January the 5th. Celia Maurice, who I call Dom Celia Maurice, uh, she won a TBA award a while back on a show that I stage managed. Uh, that was the, the birthday party, um, Oakland Public Theater. In any case, she is in the show. Wait, what? Oakland Public Theater, no. No, no, no. I'm sa- I'm, uh, would I say Off-Broadway West? That's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. But I, in any I case, would yeah. to know about that. <laughs> yeah, but in any case, uh, yeah, she won a TBA award working with Off-Broadway West and um, the birthday party. And now she is in Vinegar Tom, Shotgun Players, and I'll have a link to that. And a good friend of mine, Radhika Rao, um, who we had on episode 21 and 131, she is teaching Intro to Improv for ACT. You can learn a lot, and you can have a lot of fun, and we have a link to that if you want to sign up for that. I think there are only six, um, there are only six uh, classes, and uh, you want to sign up for that quickly before the slots fill out. That is that. Uh, Michael, did you have a good time? Yeah, I did, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. With uh, static aside, of course, yeah. I'm going to edit gonna all of that static that. out. <laughs> I mean, usually we, we don't have any issues at all. But, no, it was fantastic. It was great, you know, having you. And uh, we'll be advertising, you know, anything that you'll be directing or, you know, any other things that you're going on. And also, maybe I can get you on for Black in the Bay uh, on, right on the other podcast. Right on. Talk about black issues and stuff. Right on. All right, here is my blurb. You can find the Yay on the Apple podcast on all iPhones and iPads, really any app that you listen to your podcast. We're also on Spotify. Um, <clears throat> if you, uh, you can also listen to this, if you listen to your podcast on a laptop or a desktop on iTunes, just look for it, use the search engine, and you can find us. If you're an Android user, you can use the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise, if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. You can find me at Reg Space Clay. And I'm at Who's Your Hoosier. Michael, do you have a uh, Instagram, Twitter? You want any of that no, stuff? Website? No. I okay. have a website, MichaelWayneRice.com, but I don't. MichaelWayneRice.com, that counts. There yes. you go. We'll, we'll, we'll have a link for it. Yes. So, you know, any um, producers who are looking for a director, a very talented black director, uh, there are not enough of them. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Rain Weiss, he is the one for you. Yeah. All right, and we, we gotta, gotta find, find a better, better sign-off, off. and we are out. Yeah.